0: Howdy, y'all. From beautiful Austin, Texas, my name is Steve, and this is the Keep Going Podcast. This week, we're going to talk about shoes. This episode was recorded in August of 2023, a couple months ago, and um, yeah, it just took us a little while to get out. In it, we talk about shoes and not really whether or not we should be wearing shoes, but more of the foundations of why footwear came to be both historically and uh, from a physics perspective and from a marketing perspective. So it's a little bit of a a glance inside the minds of two folks who have a lot of experience with running shoes and just framing the conversation about shoes. So it's pretty interesting. And speaking of shoes, Atreyu has a brand new shoe out. I know you're not used to ads, but I'm going to throw an ad out there because Michael's made a pretty kick-ass shoe. Check it out at atreyurunning.com. I also have put out something new, and I've the Running On Purpose podcast is back. It has two episodes out now. You can check it out anywhere that you get podcasts, and I hope you enjoy it. Um, I'll be telling you about it a little bit more over the coming weeks, but I just wanted to get it out there and say, hey, there's some stuff out there. Check it out. And, um, yeah, enjoy this episode that we call Do We Really Need Shoes? Godspeed, y'all. Godspeed.
1: You've just Further Illuminated <laughs> 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 Crazy I don't I don't even know I don't even know what. Alright We'll Talk to y'all next week <laughs> Shit <laughs> <laughs> Fucking oh, <geez>. Reset Reset <laughs> Let's try it again Alright 9.39 Thursday August 24th And we're gathered here In the living room
0: Uh how far afield the two of us can go yeah. i do want to make a statement though i miss brother john me too man i miss brother john we're going we're going we're going to pour a little uh uh coffee out for our dead homie he's not dead he's still with us but he's not with us here in play and so i'm pouring a little out for him yeah me too i miss my brother i wish he were here with us and this topic this week is we're really missing him this I week know. because it's he, uh, he would jam on this topic yeah, so the topic I, do miss John, I, I brought this topic to the table. Michael came in, and this is very Michael pertinent. So if if it takes Michael a few minutes to get into the flow, be patient with him. Yeah. Um, because I just threw a heavy at him by saying my my topic was: Do we really need shoes? And um, I saw the lights turn on in his eyes, but that I saw his soul recoil (laughs) from Mm. since you spend all your days in Mm -hmm. the world of thinking about shoes and working with shoes and dealing with shoes. But I was on a run today, this morning on the trail, um, and I took my shoes off for a little while. And I did a little barefoot running, um, you know, not with barefoot shoes, but with literally no shoes on. I'm really trying to kind of tap into this earthing. Thing, yeah. Which I do believe in, and you know, there's a lot of really good, hard evidence for the long-term benefits for sure. doing this for extended windows of time that are that aren't anecdotal; they are definitely empirical. Now, at this point, um, of course, the scientific establishment is having a really hard time articulating and describing why it, why this is having its effect. But so I get into it, and I'm a bit of a hippie anyway, and I, I'd gotten away from it for a while, and I didn't spend much time doing it, but I did it for a little while, and I just flashed in my head is like god damn it i wish i didn't need shoes but god damn it i need shoes mm-hmm. so then i just thought this would be a really cool conversation like talking to a guy who has all his all of the last 5 years of your life had been almost a dogged pretty single minded focus pursuit on optimizing the footwear options playing with variety of footwear options having theories blowing theories up flexing adjusting moderating and i just thought gosh here's a fundamental topic i think every runner would be very really interested in discussing and hearing about they probably have a preconceived notion about it which is really good yes we need shoes but have they really gotten down underneath it and i think that's what i'm hoping we can do today
1: yeah that'd be awesome i um yeah i'm 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 finally ready to to hash this thing out i i spend you know most of my waking life trying to articulate some of these ideas and they're just not always um easily articulated over the medium of uh consumerism they're just they don't a lot of these things don't stick and it usually tends to be thrown in probably one of a few buckets one being like oh that's like you're in you know something it's easy to say born to run territory and then it's easy to say you're in lukewarm territory or you're just in the consumerist territory and it's just like oh like it i mean just can we just eliminate this buckets it's like the political system can we just fucking talk about what
0: is and what isn't. Well, yeah, now, <laughs> now my friend, you're feeling my pain because I have this same theory around training theory. Yeah. And a lot of what we talked about in the last few episodes have been wrapped around my concept of everything all the time or what I call a spectrum of paces. And Sure. Because uh, I'm also butting up against um, preconceived notions and ideas that are, foundation, are, that are based in scientific thought because science is important and essential and necessary for how we learn and grow as human beings. But then people take a study that's limited or focused on a particular parameter or trying to do something, and then they extrapolate all these rules, principles, foundational elements around it that then muddy the waters, or um, or don't muddy the water. In fact, they they unmuddy water that is needing to be muddied and unmuddied. Right? You know, it's like we need to we need to put a put a a study in that says X, and then make sure that that study then constantly has some kind of contextual arrangement. What are we talking about? Who are the users? What's going on with all these things? And so we get a study. Somebody writes something in an outside magazine about it, and then somebody says, okay, we should just take this. Or they'll see it in a training theory. Right now we've got the, the Ingebrexson brothers running really well. Everybody now wants to do double thresholds. It's like there's nothing wrong with double thresholds, and they're actually really, really cool. But do you understand the whole contextual arrangement around it? What's going on? Why it's happening? What's So all those things really I think lend themselves to yes it's not ready for consumerism or even I know this is a pain point for you figuring out how to market right tell the story and market a product but let's just talk about the bigger picture of like why Mm -hmm. why shoes and and then that creates a context where then maybe people are thinking a little more broadly and you've given them something to chew on you know it's like I think about dentistry. Like, we wouldn't need dentists if we quit eating processed foods, high levels of sugar, and actually masticated on bones and meat. Like, we did as a... Like, there weren't... People didn't need dentists, you know, 10,000, 5,000 years ago. But now we desperately need them. Why? Because we've created the problems that are around what's going on. So, anyway. The best foundation of this is the Born to Run Foundation, I think. And the, the,
1: the way that that was articulated... And the book was essentially, um, there is no real need for shoes in a natural environment, or as humans or whatever. Like, I, you know, but the second that we start running on, and this is just purely foundational. It's just like, what is in any particular rhetoric or debate? You need to establish like the criteria for the definitions, and it's like, well you know then we can begin the debate but i do think that this this idea that because we're generally running on man-made surfaces which whether it be a track or pavement or um, gravel or you know man-made whatever they are they're all different they all have different durometers. they all have different Heat profiles, they all are non-natural. They are human made. Therefore, I love the foundation of the argument saying, well, if you're going to run on man-made surfaces, you need something to combat the man-made surfaces. I think that
0: that's a really great place to start. So let's talk about those. What are the what are the physiological challenges around these artificial structures? Let's just take a road cuz most people are running on the road. Most yeah. of our listeners are running on the road. So what are the challenges we run into? Cuz I think a lot of people just think it's ground contact, but this it's multiphasal. There's there's it's multimodal. There's a couple of things going on.
1: Yeah, and I think that's where it, I don't know if I'm prepared to get fully into the I think it's I think it's the Lieberman curve and I mm-hmm. think it's the way um, that there is a design of the way that the human will perform a full gate
0: cycle, and if you look at, if I, I think that's right, the Lieberman. Don't worry about that Don't worry okay. about that because our listeners not going to go back and reference that. Uh, so you're doing that just because of your. There was need. a curve
1: about basically loading rate on, yeah. and
0: impact. Let's just say
1: the first point of contact when you're running on a road, um, you're going to load your body with an impact. something hits the ground first something hits the ground first and then there's a brief period of rest before the maximum peak load resistance probably at your stance um cycle in the gate and and there is a very that's a very natural loading momentum physics situation while you're moving while you're running so if you're running on these man-made surfaces then there is a lot at play here and i think your question was like well why does that matter like how is it affected and it's affected because the second that we try and artificially cover that up we kind of start messing with our natural ability to take the next stride or it's something another cool thing from born to run was like well I think even ultra put it on their shoe boxes at one point in time where it was like, take off your shoes and go run on the grass and, or something like that. It was, it it was, it was a crazy cool box feature and you could film yourself in slow motion and you're going to have really great running form without shoes because it's almost impossible to run and alter, you know, kind of, jack up that loading rate cycle, that that curve. Um, if you're not in, if you're not shod, so to speak, but the second that you have foam and all this stuff going on under the foot, you kind of sever that connection because your foot's got like six, 10, I don't know how many thousands of nerve endings on the bottom of the foot. And the second that you kind of sever those connections, then you're severing the ability for the brain to kind of give... Neurological transmissions back to the foot. So there's so much going on in one millisecond of how the foot is basically the ears to the ground or the eyes to the ground. And these man-made surfaces, we paradoxically cover everything up and we kind of sever these connections and therefore we're severing the connection up to our brains and our brains don't have the proper inputs and stimuli to send back those messages of these service messages back to the foot like oh maybe you're not running biomechanically sound or in your natural gait structure uh, and it's it's fascinating how far we've gone into morality or right or wrong land when buying shoes and or when, when studying these things because we've just gone so far into the synthesis of you know, manufacturing
0: so many experiences, good or bad. It's just, it's, it's mind-blowing to me. Yeah, <clears throat> and I think one of the reasons I brought this topic up is because I'm a Luddite. hmm And I just think um, we don't need shoes, and we shouldn't have shoes. So one of the arguments that the Born to Run makes is that shoes are the problem. But I think that's a fundamental. I think that's one of the arguments that's being made, or at least that's the argument that's taken forward with most people who walk into a running shoe store, or let's say two thousand and seven, eight. Whenever that book came out, I can't remember two thousand eight, two thousand. I don't remember exactly when it came. It out. It was before two thousand and ten, I think. Yeah, because around so two thousand
1: and ten, th- there was some articulated uh, research studies that were really concerned So let's concerned
0: say it's two thousand between two thousand six and two thousand eight. Let's just yeah. pick a number, right? And um, the book's on the wall right there. We could actually pull it yeah. up and look at. But anyway, the. I, you know, basically that the, the lay person walked out of reading that book, walked into a running shoe store because I owned a running shoe store at this time, and said, "I need running, sho- you know, I, I, my running shoes are a problem." My running shoes are causing the problem. But this is where I want to just articulate where we started here. That's why I wanted a little context. No, the shoes are not the problem. The problem is that we needed shoes because we got away from running barefoot. And we got away from running barefoot because we're running on really hard man-made surfaces that don't allow for us to safely land on the ground. And I think there are two pieces here. Um, One is what's going on to the skin of the foot, like what happens when you run on a track because a track is a pretty forgiving but if you run a mile on the track barefoot you're you're not going to have any skin left on the bottom of your foot you're going to need a sock cuz mm-hmm. it's going to rip the skin off of your foot cuz it's not it's 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 a man-made surface it's not if you do the same thing on asphalt if you run on crushed granite however if you ran barefoot and you had just a little bit of callousing on your feet you could run assuming you didn't land on a spiky thing whatever but you could run on dirt or grass without having any skin problem, without having any issue of your skin getting torn, even people with baby feet can run on grass as long as there's no sticker birds or other mm-hmm. protrusions and then get pretty good biomechanics. So in a sense, the book's right and says, yeah, the shoes are the problem, but it's not the shoes, it's the fact that we have these man-made surfaces. So that's the first piece is skin. Like you're just, you're just what's going on to the, sh- to the outside of your foot. But what then gets focused on and where the entire shoe industry comes around is when they start deciding that when the foot hits the ground, all of the loading that's going on, we need protection from the ground. And we need protection from the ground because we're not running on natural surfaces, we're running on man made surfaces. So, did I clarify that in a way? You might be saying, well, yeah, that's, um, you know, that's elementary dear Watson. But, it, but it's I do not think e- it's important e- yeah. to articulate as a as a foundational premise of what we're talking about here.
1: It's not elementary. It's just it's one of those things that's so simple to understand, but you have to understand it from so many different angles. There's so many different doors to come in. Because even though you're saying man-made surfaces, I would say, well, man-made surfaces is. It just is a thing. All right. right? right. Now that we have them, it's not even the shoes that are the problem or the man-made surfaces i would go one step further and say it's what we do with the synthesis of materials that we've created that we tend to put into a right or wrong kind of
0: box. circumstance yeah. box
1: yeah. and 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 then that's where it becomes
0: habits and habits create outcomes cool very cool so let's let's so what we've done is we basically took you know 15 minutes to basically say yes we need shoes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I thought it was important to frame that. We do need shoes because we've got artificial environments. Right. So now that we've got artificial environments now we can unpack all of those variables that we're talking mm-hmm. about. All of those various things because but if you ran on this is why trail shoes look different than road shoes, why track spikes look different than road shoes is because once we're on this surface and we have our shod mm-hmm. now there are as as i love to he- they talk about this in um in the, in the neuroscience cognitive science spaces i like to listen and spend my time in there are combinatorially explosive scenarios that happen once that foot is got a shoe on it oh, and yeah. those combinations are the shoe the surface the athlete's biomechanics their mindset like there's a the speed the pace i mean like in each one of those has to be factored as a critical piece of the puzzle, and then that combatorial explosiveness creates this wide-ranging studies that are being done on shoes, um, on on footwear, because primarily what we're seeing in the running shoe industry is a lot of discussion of the science of biomechanics as arguing for the things that we see. But those science that science is being done on a surface that's really not even. I mean, it's only been since 2008 or nine that we've even had large enough landing plates that they could do the science effectively on real biomechanics. Because prior to that, they were doing all these studies on biomechanics on treadmills. So you've got a now you've got a completely different situation where you've got a surface that's giving a surface where the ground is moving for you. I mean, there's all these different things. So I just wanted to lean into giving that person, the our listener, to understand what Michael is talking about when he says there's so many different things. It's like it, it's hard to parse out. And for those people looking for evidence-based, scientific-based models, you need to realize that those evidence-based, scientific-based models are only good to a point. In most of the research studies, some my, my favorite ones, uh, I was just
1: pulling up one of the. It was a study done in the military. I forget how many it was a sample set, but it was it was a cool one on arch size. Everybody was kind of obsessing about the arch, and it's the Capnick study. Um, looks like 2014 injury reduction effectiveness of prescribing running shoes on the basis of foot arch height. Summary of military investigations and i think to summarize it it was there was two groups one was a control and they just gave shoes to and one they side shoes for arch and there was no really correlative outcome as to how that um arch support or lack thereof uh inhibited any or enhanced or you know there there was there was no correlative outcomes as to like the shoe is doing anything for the for the arch like it's 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 kind of fascinating. I think the conclusion is selecting running shoes based on arch height had little influence on injury risk and in military basic training. So, I mean, there's just so much at play. And the fascinating thing is time after time, study after study, every study. I tried to even do a meta-analysis on <laughs> all of the studies. I hired uh, somebody to help me kind of defragmentally um, all of these research studies that I was getting to kind of... Try and do a meta
0: analysis. Deconstruct so you could reconstruct, right?
1: right. And be, but all of them were ended, in more study is needed. More study is needed. No conclusive data. No conclusive data. And what they were looking, like a lot of people are looking for answers in the science, but the science is always kind of pointing back to the body, and it's pointing back to the natural biomechanics as opposed to the synthesized biomechanics. And we've now we're coming full circle into understanding that some of the synthesized. Uh, Biome. I keep saying synthesized. I'm saying that you know manufactured uh, features and shit that we put in the stuff uh, tends to. We're we're now in the era where we're looking at how these things are affecting us, as opposed to seeing what they can do for us. We're looking now at how they're affecting us. So we're we're in kind of a, a really beautiful time Um, in understanding maybe a full circle, but I don't think that people are going to find, I don't think that people are going to find
0: answers in, in footwear. And that's the irony. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one of the things that, so let's take a place where science can be really, really helpful. uh, Pharmaceutical industry, right? Mm -hmm. Like, so there's a lot of studies being done because there's a lot of money to be made, but in running shoes, There's a lot of studies being done and all the studies are being manipulated and changed to get the data set to get where they were the company wants to get. Um, So this is why I'm I always get a reputation for being anti-science. I am not anti-science. I am very pro-science, but I'm just asking you to take your science and bring it back to the lived experience, like bring it into your personal direct experience and see. Mm. So. Like people would come into when I worked on the shoe floor, which I did for many, 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 many years. People would be like, "I pronate and I have a low arch, and this is I need this shoe." Mm. And I'd be like, "Okay," but I didn't try to disabuse them of the contextual space that they were in when they walked in. What I would say is, "Let me bring out three or four different options for you, and you just try them on. You just all you need to worry about is I'm taking care of that part. I'll bring out the appropriate shoe for your." arch height and everything else. Now it took a big stretch of trust. Some people didn't trust me. Some people some people trust you implicitly when you're in a shoe floor. Some mm-hmm. people don't. Of course, your ability to discuss and have historical context, be able to bring out some studies, you pretty quickly can create a rapport Or yeah. someone will trust you. And if you've had somebody who helped you who was in high school and they're not concentrating on that and they're mostly playing on their phone and yeah. not really present, you'll quickly look for the person that can do that. But just realize all I was doing was basically bringing out what might, they might have considered appropriate. And I would assume that they were reading the local the literature. Right, so that would be from a Runner's World. The, back in the day, it was Runner's World, but now there's so many different sites that are creating all these options. There's like so many really cool options that are going on out there. But I just assume that a person has done some research. And then what I just said is just let me trust me to bring out the appropriate shoes. You just go out and put them on and see what what you feel. Mm-hmm. And anecdotal evidence, but like decades of anecdotal evidence is the less that was in a shoe, the less support focused structure this is assuming an athlete does not have a orthotic because that's a big change that's something you have to pull that out right if they don't have an orthotic then more often than not people felt much better in a shoe that would have maybe been inappropriate for them based on the literature because they have a flat foot and they pronate so they need pronation control but i just when i started doing that you know basically 1991 92 when i started doing, really thinking about that, and all the way through to, let's say 2016, when I really stopped being on a shoe floor, that always worked. And more often than not, if I could get them to trust, and I got them into less of a shoe, Mm -hmm. they just had a much better experience. Now, sometimes they would come back and bring the shoe back and say, oh no, you got me in the shoe that's not appropriate, or they would argue with me in the moment, and I would just say, well, but if it feels good, it's probably working, and why is that? So that's my question for you, Michael. Why, if I have, you know, you know basically what's that, like 20 years of anecdotal evidence that says put him in less of a shoe, that's why I have this theory of shoes not being all that important. Because my view was, more often than not, one person got in a shoe that fit, that was the right appropriate for their width, that their heel didn't drop, you know, pull out of the shoe and all these other things. I got the basic fit right. That. The, the The bells and whistles, the pronation control, the supination control, the, 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 you know, the the last, all those things were were not less of importance than just getting the foot covered. Mm-hmm. And,
1: and then if you tie in Bowerman's obsession with ounces, you know, mm-hmm. and it's like, well, you are carrying over the course of, you know, any distance less weight, then that equals more momentum. So the question is, is more, is is faster speeds. Of in question, or are mm-hmm. they not in question? are what type of running are we doing? because lighter is often better, but doesn't mean that lighter is always better? right? E, no, it doesn't no. It, it's it's that's totally subjective and 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 it's 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 like sometimes it, yeah, that this there's so much to unpack here, and it's probably the reason that I first became obsessed with wanting my own company because i was looking at all of these things and i was getting kind of anxious about what other companies were offering because this was at the time where both the kinvara and the clifton were kind of equally relevant but we hadn't like progressed in the industry enough to say like high stack equals better shoe and or but we were coming off of the born to run era and it was like low stack a lot one of the things that I'm just not going to buy is low stack and minimalist and everything is always healthy well it's like well that it, it is true that like I can see why it is always healthy because it's more natural I get that
0: um, but again, we come back to the fact you're not running on a natural surface. <laughs> exact, exactly, exactly. <laughs> so. And we're
1: not looking at the routine and the intensity. Right. And 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 there's so many things at, at play here. And I think that's where, you know, I didn't... Uh, it, it, it's mind-blowing. This is why I have such a hard time marketing the product is because there's so many conclusions. When I design shoes, I don't design for things that I don't believe in. That's how I design. I've designed a shoe that it all started with one model it didn't have any rubber on the outsole it had straight foam hitting the concrete and the reason I did that was because I wanted to increase the sensory load of inputs going into the foot because I knew that the foot had all these nerve endings on it and I was thinking well let's not let's not sever that with hard rubber. Let's build a shoe on running shoe geometry, but let's build it super soft so that you can feel the
0: ground. And the market had some precedents for that, right? The the Nike Free had been way down that road. For sure. It it wasn't marketed as a
1: running shoe for the average person. I'm like, no, the average person could really benefit from this, but the average person, ironically and paradoxically, wants. A comfortable, durable, (laughs) and whatever shoe. And those are heavy, lots of rubber. Like, it's why the Brooks Ghost sells so well, is because it's got like, it's got so much rubber on it. The thing is like riding in a Cadillac, and it's like, you don't even feel the ground, you know, at all. So it's like, there's two different worlds. So, like, And I don't think that we necessarily have to or should live in one world or the other. I just think we need to be acutely aware of the world that we're living in when we're living in it. Mm -hmm. Uh, This is why it's so fascinating to me.
0: Um, But this is why when I worked on the shoe floor, I was asking people to get their direct personal experience. Their direct experience of what was going on on the ground. Now, we do know that our direct experience can't be trusted Sometimes, Yeah. Right. But I do think it's at least a place to start. And instead, people were starting from, um, you know, something that came out of a magazine. And one of our yeah. guests, Paul, who Paul Carosa, who was so influential in the heyday of shoe reviews and mm-hmm. what shoe reviews were all about. He and Bob Wishnia, another local Austin guy, actually is from the East Coast, but he lived here for a long time. Um, they, you know, they they kind of created the world that we now live in, and you know, from 2000 to 2010 or so. Well, I say 1995 to 2005, maybe 2010. Like the idea of having a shoe review um, was designed to give us clarity, certainty, and um, assuredness that a product was quality, but all of those were based on false premises from my perspective that assumed that that shoe was the right shoe for everyone and this is you know really kind of the model that your business is built on that if you give them just a few basic options that they will find the right thing to be in and that's true but many of the shoes that were being recommended by the shoe by the shoe lords were Mm -hmm. posted um, uh, had all kinds of plastics in them had all kinds of things mediating and moderating the movement of the foot through the natural planes of motion that happen when it hits the ground Mm -hmm. and that part was always hard for me I mean I lived in that world and I wondered and I could get conspiratorial really quick about who why was this shoe when none of the people who were running in it Liked it. Why was this shoe editor's choice? Mm -hmm. And I saw how the sausage was being made, and those people were honest, being very honest and forthright and open. At least I thought so, and I believe so. But I do see how somebody could be like, "Yeah, but who's influencing that?" Like that's a like. There's there's all kinds of ways for people to be led astray. And because the good, somebody comes into the shoe floor I mean believe me I did this as a shoe salesman I sold them what I wanted to sell them and I could make them con- convince them a good shoe salesman can sell you whatever yeah, they want to sure. sell you and they will give you that user experience because they will seed certain keywords certain certain ways to get you to think about a thing um, now mm-hmm. I, I try not to do that I mean I did it sometimes because I would be so tired and I just wanted somebody to pick a shoe and some people would try on 17 yeah. pairs of shoes and you're like oh my god I can't take this anymore let me just tell you what you need but what was remarkable through all of that process was I could pick five, four to five shoes off the wall. I bet you Paul would agree with this. Four to five shoes off the wall and throw every other shoe out and 99% oh, yeah. of the running populace would be just fine in one of those five shoes. But on the shoe wall were 99 problems. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and
1: then that's where I was like, y- y- you know, it's even when I went to all of the reis and i was just recently tech repping Mm -hmm. the the stores i would be like there's a simple solution for this on a very complex marketing problem which is your shoe wall and i was like go after the standard you know the standard deviations and kind of like the bell curve of what you have on your wall like what does that mean it means that generally speaking like for example the brooks ghost is a crowd pleaser it's a perfectly it's just a beautiful daily trainer you know i think 9 out of 10 people are going to love the brooks ghost it's comfortable it's got good step and feel it's durable it's comfortable most people are looking for durability comfort you know um performance but they don't It's really on know a it semi curve last e- 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 right it's like e- e- basically on a semi curve last yeah, yeah. Blast, and so. and it's it's just it's just a beautifully comfortable shoe but it's not the lightest thing it's not it's not like... Um, it's right down the middle. Mm-hmm. Industry standard. And then you can go pull an Ultra or a Topo because those have a wide toe box. That's a deviation from the
0: standard. Back in the day, that was Saucony. Because Saucony... Mm-hmm. Saucony had wide toe box. They boxes. had wide toe they box. They still do a to narrow a certain heel. extent.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Um, and then you could go pull a Hoka high stack. And I was like that from oh in, in archery you also got this you know zero drop situation which was which was cool so like just give them the the kind of the buffet and i was like we represent the 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 middle like our daily trainer that was you know is carrying an rei is is the middle um it's got a standard last. It's a straight last. It's a... It's your homage to the ghost. Yeah, that's... It's it's <laughs> it's what the world wants when they think of a training shoe. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, let's, we built it right down the middle. Like, what... Bring a ghost, bring that, bring an ultra, bring a hoka. And then from there, you can then understand how the person's going to react to that. Because they're going to go home with what's most comfortable to them. And they're going to buy whatever they're resonating with. So that is like, I went through this whole little pitch and I had it all dialed in. I was like, this is how you triage the marketing problem, (laughs) which is a shoe wall because it is a marketing problem because we're all saying a bunch of things that is or isn't in terms of what people need or don't need to buy. It's like, none of this is actually true. Uh, It's so fascinating because, um, i I am way more of a i I'm probably more like you um just an absolute conspiracy theorist on like how that people even sleep at night saying like things are better yeah they don't they're not better, they're just options
0: until two thousand and sixteen. That's 2017.
1: Oh, when the when the uh, vapor fly, correct? You know, sub- revolutionized yeah.
0: and changed everything. There's a whole new can of inputs because that- up until then, much of what we're talking about is true. But after that, there's the, again scientific studies showing three percent, four percent improvement on performance. Um, and Jesus, if you're looking for a, if you're looking for a placebo effect, just have a swoosh and say it's 4% better Yeah, <laughs> and you will probably yeah. improve by 4%. But there was, but now they broke, you know, that was their first idea, but then they broke it all down and said, yeah, these shoes based on what they're doing. And, and this, I mean, that shoe is incredibly well made. I mean, a, a oh, it's it's iterations over yeah. time were just there. It's, it is, it was the revolution that the industry needed, right. In a in a big way. But the problem is that that it was medicine- the marketing revolution yes. that the
1: industry needed. Yes, from a performance standpoint, I I really think that it's got the sauce. Like that, they they have a great racing program. They lead the way. They're always going to lead the way. Somebody
0: try and take them on. They, you're not going to do it. Okay, they- but let me ask you a question. If you were going to run, if you if I paid you, okay, let's your your marathon best is a 250 what? 252 or something okay. like that. So if I said to you, we're going to give you th- an appropriate training program mm-hmm. and I'm going to give you $25,000 if you can break 245. Now you know you can break 245 because I-, I know you can because you've done the work. But if I said, okay, but you can do that, but you have, so it's a stretch goal. that like, gets tough. Maybe I would push it all the way down to 240 to make this experiment real right maybe a little bit faster um and i gave you that money and i told you you could do it in one of you in a non-plated shoe mm-hmm. or a plated shoe or these you know in, in what we we're talking about with what the Vaporfly does you guys have one as well you're bringing yeah you brought a modified version is about to come to market right yeah um mm-hmm. would you choose the benefit would you take? Do you believe that there is an improvement of a percentage based on having that technology and and design in the shoe? It, it's a real thing, right? I do. Yeah, I believe. Real I believe in the benefit. I believe. To say nothing in, of the ethics of it, right? Each right, person will have we have to make have their
1: own a decision. World Athletics approved sub yep. 40 millimeter stack height full carbon plate situation with what people are calling super foams or supercritical yep. foams and all that stuff like they that's that's awesome the reason that you're gonna hear me now we're about to talk about ours because we're about to launch an updated version which i'm mm-hmm. really pumped about and it cost us f- an italian sports car worth of money to even produce <laughs> the new foam and it's just, it just makes me sick in my stomach um But you are also business is contingent upon the 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 the, the whole launch of it. We're all Uh, in. We're all uh, in. (laughs) Yeah. And but at the same time, on a normal day, you will rarely hear me talking about carbon-plated racing shoes because They're they're race day shoes and we live in a world where we train four, six, ten months, years for 3 hours of glory and there's months associated with training and I do believe that when training I am still a traditionalist like even though we offer race day advantage I'm not buying that that needs to bleed into the culture of training or running at large I think that it's a very small it's like it's like an equivalent of You know, I don't know, you're not gonna go buy a a track car and try and drive it around every day. Like you're just not gonna do it. It's not even street legal. Like you're kind of a dingus. Just go buy a daily driver and it it drive the car. And then when you wanna go to the track, you want to go out to the Coda Raceway, go race your racing car. But it's to me that there's there's visceral advantages to not synthesizing these environments during training versus trying to extract a race experience on race day.
0: So, so let me give you an argument an athlete made to me recently because mm-hmm. I've articulated this to them. And what they said was, well, I've been watching a lot of what's going on in the track and field world and these coaches are talking about one of the reasons we're seeing so much improvement on track and field is because of the shoes, but not because of what people think, like what we've seen in the marathon world with the shoe itself providing a 3 to 4% benefit. Mm-hmm. But instead, that the shoe is able to take on load that the foot can't do, so the recovery is much quicker from the knee down. Right, so the calf. I heard. I think Achilles. I read the
1: other day that Emma Bates made a. I think it was her. She made a post about how she loved her Asics Metaspeed
0: skies because it helped her recover faster. Well, this is 100 plus mile weeks. Well, let me tell you that this is definitely happening in the track spike world. This is anecdotal evidence, but we're talking about really, really skeptical and this is track and field coaches who are skeptical of anything providing a benefit because their training protocols are the things that are supposed to be providing the benefit, right? Now, they'll take on anything that they can. They'll look at putting on you know, cooling vests and hot weather and all these other things that they can do to try to maximize and improve. But they're seeing, they they are all across the board, most of these college coaches are saying, and pro coaches are saying, my athletes can do more work than they've ever been able to do because the spikes they're in are protecting them from the micro tears and the breakdown that happens when you're in a spike. Now, my, my question though is, is, is this moving, does that kind of benefit, is that happening also in, these shoes that are being used for marathon performance because I do think that um there I I currently believe that there's a difference in this technology I don't know enough about it to be able to say you know much more about this but that the technology of a shoe that's designed to help an athlete run um six times a mile and be less broken down um, in the plantar in the metatarsals in the in the Achilles tendon into the soleus and the gastroc. This is the area that coaches are shocked to see athletes can come back much more quickly from hard efforts. Now my, and because an athlete asked me that and I'm like, I don't think that technology is what they're doing in the racing shoe, the marathon racing shoe. I think Mm -hmm. what they're doing in that marathon racing shoe is providing you just that benefit and that that benefit um, Because if the shoe is providing all of the recovery benefits, then I think it's going to be harder and harder and harder to justify a simplistic, simple shoe. And you're going to need that tech in order to be able to stay um, competitive. Because that's changed in the elite world is that no one is running in shoes that are not have some kind of high-tech work being done on it. And that has... You know, and that's my athlete's question, and I said, I can't answer that yet. But what you're just saying is that Emma Bates is saying the shoe that she's in, who's a marathoner, she's not running 10ks, very rarely running 10ks. She's doing some work on the track, but the vast majority of the work that she's doing, you know, this is a sub 220 or right at 220 um, female American female marathoner. She's in a shoe that she believes is helping her turn over her training much more quickly and able to put in more high intensity hard work. Or recover more from the volume, whichever the case may be, from the shoe. This is not something that um, most running coaches or most runners would have, in prior to 2016, we would have been talking about. And so now we've got a big, now you've got a big situation where are we doing our athletes a service by recommending the more basic shoe? Um, the less, because that basic shoe is there another shoe that they could be in that would allow them to recover more quickly um, now the other sorry I'll we'll just leave it there because I could just go on to another topic but let's just leave that No, there.
1: It's, it's fairly complex I'm trying to wrap my brain around something in track and field there's
0: a culture right now that what, what kind of shoes they're in a track spike and in a road flat like a racing flat that the shoe is already incredibly minimal but that whatever's going on in the shoe, which I'm not entirely sure because I'm not into this world. I don't really pay attention to it that much. I should, but I don't really care. Okay. But they are, these coaches are saying, I've heard five different coaches say it in public. They're convinced that this new tech in these spikes is allowing their athletes to do more high intensity work longer and recover more from it. And so they're able the coaches are surprised that the athlete has a third, like they're improving by more than 3%, 4% they're seeing much larger improvements because their bodies are recovering. I
1: think you I think you might be re- referring to the Zoom victory. Like Probably. the Nike spikes mm-hmm. where they've got like the airbags in them. Mm-hmm. And I'm fairly confident that we're all talking <laughs> about the same thing in road and track. Cool. And where that comes into play is and even even Hoga and some new companies are starting to provide PIBA or supercritical based kind of like racing flat geometries for a proper racing flat now. Not like a high stack super shoe, but like racing flats with like very um, rebound resilient materials. I would say that first of all if there's common ground between track and field and road running, the marathon and track and field. And it would be, a, I actually think that we're talking about the nervous system. And I think that we're not talking so much about the tech. I think that there's a lot going on with how we push ourselves when we're using these you know, synthesized products. And I think that a lot of it has to do with what kind of tools we have on and how we're using it. And I think that when, when you have a shoe that's viscerally more comfortable, I think that your nervous system responds favorably, and I think that that's a good thing. I also think that while that may be true, I don't think that you can get around the fundamentals. You, you know, like it's. I, I I do think that what are the were the Russians jumping off the the ladders? <laughs> you, you know what I mean. Like at a certain point. Um, I, you know, you're gonna have to build up some type. Whether you're, you know, it's just like building an aerobic base. It's just like everything else. Like I, I do think that anecdotally, it sounds like people are recovering faster. I think that they're having a favorable experience with these foams, and I think that that's fabulous. That being said, I don't know. I don't know how we're gonna take away the fact that I'm, I'm just never gonna I don't know. This is where it gets interesting nowadays because we have all these inputs and I don't see anybody walking around barefoot ever. Anymore. Ever. It's I, it very rare that I'm even walking around barefoot in my own home. So, What happens in 15-20 years when we forget to lose all of the things in our foot and the movement in our foot and the ability to kind of turn those receptors on like that's that to me is the bigger question like even though it's got a short-term acute acute benefits high rebound resilient foams like what happens in 15 20 years to people when we've forgotten how to recover in general It may not be, it may not ever affect our life, but maybe it's an maybe there's an evolutionary thing that's at play here. Like I'm thinking about the big picture. Like we're always wearing shoes, and it's just fascinating. And in grounding, you know, whether you talk to a shaman or you talk to somebody at your, you know, wherever it, there are benefits, and there are kind of there's alchemy uh, in terms of grounding, and there is magnetic poles associated with the fucking Earth. And there's all this kind of crazy stuff that I don't think we're built as humans to figure out. I think that they just are.
0: There are things that exist. There is polarity. There is... Well, we would need a much broader scientific model where we would need to say... um, You would need to take the biological, mechanical, um, psychological motivational. I mean we just moved across how many different scientific domains. Yeah. So you you know you need to and those you know what, what they found with earthing or grounding whichever the way you want to call it is that there's an absolute benefit happening with um, the human body, the nervous system and the way the body recovers and recuperates and is feeling good you know is absolutely impacted by being barefoot for 30 minute windows daily. And the 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 to a level that's um at this point in time from my understanding and what i've read about it um scientifically it's 100 it's guaranteed that there's a benefit like it's it's one of the most dramatic scientific experiments that's been done in sort of this psychosomatic space that says something weird and seemingly woo, like be- pinning your feet on the ground when no, with no shoes or socks or anything else on, the health benefits are beyond a shadow of a doubt. It At the level of, yes, this absolutely benefits you. To the point that if we get a little bit of a different model, I think doctors will begin to prescribe time spent. In fact, some are doing it. In fact, there's these new like sleeping arrangements where you can sleep on grass and mm-hmm. people are talking about these benefits that they're getting from sleeping on grass. There's books about this. It's like, but it all comes back to, yeah, you don't have to spend all that money. Just and for runners, this is crucial. Get outside on a grass surface with no shoes and socks on and stand and or jog easily. Like if I could make one recommendation, if you want like if there were five biggest recommendations you could possibly make to somebody, the first one would be get barefoot for 20 minutes a day or 20 start with just getting barefoot for 5 minutes a day and then slowly move up to Two to three times a week running barefoot for 20 to 30 minutes on a soft surface while also doing then some other kind of strength and mobility barefoot. If you did all those things, if you did that just on a consistent basis, you're now doing something that's counteracting many of the negative aspects of training that happens when you're training. You're, symptoms you're, you're, of high performance. Symptoms of high performance and, can be mediated and this easily. Is a, this is
1: this is this is that's the nervous system. Yes, and that is also a cultural problem, which is the second that we think all signs point to optimization. Is that that's when it's like F1 racing is right at the level where I'm like, all right, I'm still in, but any better? any more optimized it gets fucking boring like you're watching the machine you're still seeing people be able to make decisions thank you yeah you know what i mean like the world is and this is why i get so down on even having if i could just be a shoe designer i would live the coolest life but half of me has to be a marketer (laughs) and a financier whatever it is but like it's uh or a you know just run the shit so everything we're doing i think youtube is the coolest channel right now for information i just i've been loving it and the deeper i've gotten into youtube the more i've realized that it's another thing we're optimizing like we're just sucking every bit of culture out of everything it's got to be in the thumbnail you got to optimize the thing for the algorithm and it's got to be watch hours and engagement and then the right seo just like the world we live in is just so boring and (laughs) it it really is and we've 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 taken the we we've made but it could be so great if we could just reframe at a very high level optimization is cool but we can't lose the essence of humanity in general like this is where i think our where it's about time that we talk about stealing the culture back because we've optimized to the point of where we've turned ourselves into fucking raisins thinking about how we can just be our goals without being ourselves right now and to me that's what's fascinating about being a shoe designer is like it's a challenge to me everything i'm talking about and if you've made it this far you know you're probably thinking this guy you know you might have a lot of opinions about my opinions and i get that and that's cool like I'm on a quest like I'm an expeditionary like what I'm doing right now is to try and distill the essence of different types of footwear and I think that it's the coolest mission ever and I'm very
0: fulfilled doing it. You're what you're doing is you're saying there's an optimization aspect to what you're doing and you tip your hat to it. But yes. there's also a, a what I call the practice version of it. So that's the pursuit. What I call the pursuit, right? Like optimization is getting the best outcome possible. Mm-hmm. But who's deciding that outcome? It's a culturally constrained, pre-designed, very much uh, s- next-level, absolute performative category as opposed to two weeks last week or two weeks ago you mentioned um how you've moved so much in your training away from performance and looking more at process or looking at instead of looking at the end looking at the process Mm -hmm. and i think that what you're doing what we're doing here is we're arguing hey your shoes should also be part of the process Mm -hmm. like or what i call the practice and in order to run or perform or to have that performance we need to realize that when we're performing or optimizing for performance, optimizing, 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 you the human species still needs a set and reset. It needs an up and a down. It needs a relax and a go. And the go, go, go doesn't work. You have to come back to something. You have to come back to a place that says, I'm gonna take a deep breath. I'm grounded in what I love to do. And this is where purpose and meaning kind of, Come in, you know. I'm I'm working with um, athletes. I have an athlete who I've been working with in the past, and I'm now working with her again. And you know, the first thing question I have for her is like, okay, well, where's your purpose now? It's like, well, we were talking about we got we got stuff to work on. We got workouts we need to do. It's like, yeah, but I can't help you with the workout if I don't know what you're doing. And she's like, well, I'm just want to get this particular time on this particular day and make this happen. Okay, but why? Well, why does it matter? It matters because when the shit hits the fan. You're going to need to go there and then anytime that there's a problem i have to come back to here because this is your ground this is where you're starting from this is what is important so ultimately full circle of this conversation is do we need shoes no but given modern life yes mm-hmm. <laughs> so think about it like you do need shoes but you also need to not have shoes to get back to some kind of primal place. And I'm not talking about OG original going to be back to the Garden of Eden or back to some kind of primal, you know, hunter-gatherer bullshit. Like, no. Just be a part of your ecosystem. Put your feet in the dirt. Um, If you're on the beach, get your feet in the water on the beach. Doesn't matter where you get it. Just get barefoot because that barefoot aspect is going to revolutionize all the other technologies that are available to you. But if you don't go there, then you don't have a base. You need that base to be set and appropriate and right. And getting barefoot is the best way to do that. But I will never own a pair of five fingers because I don't buy that. To me, that's just putting more rubber on my feet, not allowing me to have all the benefits that I've now scientifically read or what I already felt at a deep primal level was important to be barefoot a couple of minutes a day, if not more than that, as often as possible, get my feet on the ground and to feel that. Now, as soon as you say that, people are like, hippie, weirdo, woo. And what I'm saying is no. It's like, we can have all the advantages of our modern society, but we can't forget we're animals.
1: Yeah, and we need to remember too that everything we buy is in competition with somebody else's thing that they sell. <laughs> and all of the conversations that we're having is Oh, let me just raise my hand so I can get more in the front of the line for you to put that in the cart and put it in you know into Boom. the into the u p s machine so it can send it to my house. And everything is influenced by ha- that basic necessity to be the thing. It's either healthier or not healthier or this or that, but the reality is their tools. You can decide how to use your tools. I have a fucking hammer, and I use it for all kinds of things. You know, I don't use it for just hammering nails. Like, I use it for putting holes in walls every once in a while. You know
0: what I mean? But like, you're not it, doing dentistry with it. Right? I'm <laughs> not doing dentistry with it, and it
1: doesn't always necessarily mean that a hammer is healthier for this particular thing. It's just like, you know, like, it, it's it's an interesting conversation, and and I think that. <laughs> I just I think it's important to go. We're we're all very much influenced by I don't know, maybe I'm part of the part of the problem. I'm just
0: trying to Oh, not don't go to. there. Don't go there. Don't go you there. You know what I mean though, but it's just it it it's like you you chose to get into this because you were called from a creative perspective, because we've already covered this. You're also staying in the space because you believe you've got a product that is valuable and useful and helpful and from there yes now the part the where you are part of the problem is just the fact that to survive you got to make gotta, the argument you got to you got to raise your hand and say you know this is what's up and i just think that
1: that that's an important thing to reflect on which is like hey how much of our lives is being dictated to us and how much of it cuz at the end of the at the end i've been thinking a lot about and i'll end on by saying i'm just I don't want to live my life and 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 get to the end of this waking one and just be counting the chips and counting the wins and everything. I just want to have a good experience. So I think that I think that goals. I'm, I'm thinking that goals are the most basic. One of the most basic needs is a goal, but it also can be the biggest. Um, it can also be the most insidious killer. Well, maybe that
0: will segue to our next conversation. You know what I mean? Like
1: if we don't treat it with reverence in the process, like it can be, we can, we can create false realities and not be able to ground ourselves in, in, in reality. And I think that, you know, I I don't know. I just think that running culture and and the way that we've approached it lately, I'm more obsessed with. What did running feel like in the 70s? Did it feel like this, you know? What did it feel like in the 80s? What did it feel like in the 90s? And you know, how do we how do we find that how do we wake up every day and not attach ourselves to our goals but use them as motivational tools and how do we live fulfilling lives? Like I'm over trying to work to live to work. I just want to work to live at this point in
0: time. Beautiful. Well, maybe that can segue to next week's conversation if we select. I brought three different topics this week. The first one is the one we just covered, which I'm not entirely sure we covered effectively, but we did entertainingly. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, uh, But the second one had to do with this idea of goals and goal setting, and maybe we can go there next week. Or maybe we'll pull something else out of our rear end and talk about something completely different.
1: I like the goals. I've been thinking a lot about them.
0: Yeah, maybe that's something. And we know we're going into we're going into a big heavy race time of the year for most runners. We've got a lot of folks focusing on some kind of fall-related races, where um, performance and goal setting and how they set up, how we set up our expectations. Revolve we talk around about that. goals
1: a lot, um, but I think that it I think that understanding goals is maybe one of the most important things to be reflecting on every single day these days like i don't know i just feel like they're more important and need more
0: time than than we give them i agree well hopefully you guys enjoyed that um i do appreciate that it was wide ranging (laughs) we went a lot of different places but uh yeah thanks for listening guys take care godspeed